Greetings, my Revolution Live online friends. You're warmly welcome. We are going to have 60 minutes of what I think will be informative conversation, fun conversation, interesting conversation, and hopefully inspiring conversation. Why do I say all that? Well, of course, because you are a fabulous audience. We want you to be involved by asking questions. If I can, if I can master the technology, I'll bring you up on stage and uh, we'll have a fabulous time with our guest, including you, if we can get you up on there. So that, that will be wonderful. So um, what are we going to talk about today? As you know, this is a monthly series. We've had a bunch of them so far, one every month this year, and we're covering some fantastic ground. You can always look back at any of those. They're always available uh, to watch. So um, if you have missed any before, no problem. You can catch up. So we are going to talk about EV charging business models, how to get started. And I'm particularly pleased this time to introduce my guest, Rami Abu Haya from Katek. Rami, how are you? Nice to see you there. Thank you. I'm good. Thank you. How are you, uh, Roger? Uh, yeah, very well. And of course, we recently met up there at uh, EVS 35 up in Oslo, didn't we? In Oslo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For the first time in person. Indeed, yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we had to take a photograph. You've always got to get one of those moments and put it on LinkedIn. I've, I'm, I've got a terrible habit for doing that, Rami. Um, yeah, it was, so nice. it was a nice, nice photo, yeah. Yeah, well, it was, look, it's good to meet beforehand. We can have a little chat about what we're going to go through right now. Um, so you're the chief executive officer of Catech uh, Mobility. You've done this for some time, I know. So, you know, it's leading the development of scalable, uh, flexible solutions for EV charging um, and to help people basically move and shift over to EVs. So can I just share with you something we, we did? a We always like to do a LinkedIn poll before we start this off. I'd like to share with you the results. I think we've just got them all in. Um, so the question we asked Rami was, what is or was the biggest challenge for your business to get started with EV charging? And, and we had four answers. Um, lacking knowledge. 40% of the people said that was that was their problem. Rami, this is great news because the idea of this 60 minutes is to give people knowledge. So that's good. We're going to help 40% of people. Next one, we're dealing with site limitations. That was a 31% of people. Um, then we had making the initial investment because uh, obviously these things all cost money. Um, and then we had a, a thing that says other, tell us in the comments. That, that was 7%. Um, people didn't tell us anything in the comments. Uh, I did ask. But there weren't any answers in that. Um, but that's fine. So, so Rami, are you looking forward to the next hour of of a few questions from me and hopefully a few questions from the audience? Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's let's do it. Good. Okay. So, challenges and opportunities for for small, medium sized companies. I think that's you know, good part of what our audience is going to be on here now. Um, but before we dive into all, all of that, can you some, can you sort of give us a little flavor of what is Catech? You know, what is your company? Um, and, and what are the different types of, you know, businesses, uh, different types of offers that, that, you, that, that you have? Can you share that with us, please? 
Yeah, sure, definitely. Uh, I founded CATIC in 2005 uh, to provide IT solutions to the government uh, sector. So I've been uh, working with the government, providing digital transformation, including uh, mobile application, back office uh, management systems. And in 2010, uh, we started our CATIC Green, uh, which is uh, providing IoT-based waste management solutions. And in 2018, we founded CATIC Mobility as a division of CATIC to provide end-to-end EV charging solutions for the Middle East and Africa market. And uh, our service include both the e-mobility provider services and uh, CPO uh, services. And as e-mobility uh, mobility provider, we provide a comprehensive range of uh, products and service, including designing, engineering, and uh, installation of the charging stations. Uh, we're selling the charging stations to the clients and we offer after-sales maintenance as well. And as a CPO, uh, we do remote uh, and on-site maintenance, uh, personalized uh, reporting uh, using a cloud-based EV charging management system, all of this uh, kind of... And we target mainly around seven market segments, including car dealers, uh, developers, real estate developers, uh, car fleet operators, Uh, car park operators and uh, government companies and you name it. We, we, we have clients, we have uh, references in all these sectors so far. Wow. And, and you started all this in 2005. So, you know, you've been hard at it. And what I would just say to you is, and, and to everybody listening, um, starting up a business at any time is, is so much about, um, hard work isn't it it's about hard work and ambition um uh, focus uh, passion uh, so you know hats off to you for having built and you know developed a business all these years and sustained it since 2005 that's that's to you absolutely to your credit um let me come on to something that i, I think is really important if you look around the world with evs there is no doubt that government intervention um sort of support and direction legislation sometimes uh, from government is significant. You've certainly seen that in China. We haven't seen it so much in Europe and America, although now the European Union and Britain is now separate from the EU, as you know. We won't get into that, by the way. Um, but, but we're now seeing policy, we're now seeing law passed to actually speed up and facilitate the adoption of electric vehicles. Um, It's bits happening in America, but but not so much. But w what I'm really keen to understand is in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, um, and the Middle East in general, is there government direction and support on this? Because we all know this is, you know, this is where much of the oil industry is based. So yeah. I'm fascinated to know what how are governments managing this transition to EVs? What 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 policy is there at the moment? Look, over the past three years in the UAE EV market uh, has been positively uh, grown and uh, it's leading early adapter of EV uh, in the Middle East uh, Africa, especially in, in, in UAE. So definitely policies and the government in the UAE, they played a very important role. I'll tell you something. In Dubai, they start installing EV charging, uh, public EV charging points back in 2015. So they started early, even before having EV on the road. So, uh, so far we have around 600 ch public charging points 
it's uh, an investment by government. So the government, they, they roll out the, the network in order to boost the uptake of the EV in Dubai and the Middle East. Uh, in, uh, for example, in Abu Dhabi, last month, Abu Dhabi, they published the EV charging policy, uh, which uh, uh, helped to identify the mandate of each stakeholder and also uh, uh, identifying the, the standards for the EV charging points and for the payment uh, system that need to be in place. Abu Dhabi has, uh, UAE in general, they are under pressure and they are aiming to achieve a net zero emission by 2050 by investing in solar plants, uh, for example, uh, Barak plant, and uh, they have many investment in the renewable energies. In Dubai, they announced their goal to uh, to electrify 10% or to have 10% of the total cars registered in Dubai to be electric or green cars. Uh, by 2050. So uh, there is a lot of initiatives has been taken by the government. Uh, also, it's worth to mention that the government, they provided a couple of incentives for the people to, uh, to, to motivate them to own electric vehicles. One of them exempt them from, from the registration fees, from the public charging fees, uh, from the toll system uh, on the, uh, uh, the road toll system. And still there is a lot to come. And this is what we're expecting, and we're expecting soon to be announced uh, when is going to be the, de- the deadline for selling the EVs, like what's happening in Europe and uh, somewhere else in the in the world. So this is what we are expecting. Saudi Arabia are investing heavily in the EV and electrification, and they have ranked recently, I think, the 49th place uh, worldwide in the electrification uh, sector. So uh, this is in general, as we know, Egypt and UAE are hosting the next uh, two rounds of the uh, United Climate Change, uh, the COP27 and 28 uh, in Egypt and UAE. So there is a lot of initiatives are happening in the Middle East, uh, which definitely would help everyone to to shift to the uh, sustainable uh, transportation. Yeah, well, it. There's a lot in your answer there. There's there's a lot of positive stuff in there, but I, I can't help thinking when we think of America, United States of America has not seen, apart from California, a lot of adoption of EVs, partly, some would say a lot to do with how cheap petrol is. They call it gas, don't they? Um, and we're now seeing in Europe, particularly, really high prices for, for petrol and diesel um, or gas, as the Americans call it. Um, isn't it still really cheap to fill up in the Middle East? And is that, isn't that part of the problem? Um, or have you seen those fuel price increases that we've seen in the rest of the world? Is, has that been happening in the Middle East as well? Yeah, definitely. Now the prices of gasoline or petrol are, and the diesel as well, it's uh, getting uh, high and high. And uh, filling up a diesel or petrol a car is most costly than charging uh, an electric vehicle, even in the Middle East and Dubai. Uh, so uh, now people are, are more considering EVs because of uh, not only of this, because they think that the infrastructure, the charging infrastructure and UAE in particular, are uh, it's becoming quite uh, like enough to own an EV charging. So there is uh, an EV charging 
I know there is still a lot to do, but comparing the number of EVs on the road to the number of EV charges, I think uh, UAE is among the highest in terms of the ratio between the number of uh, public chargers to the uh, number of cars. And there is also a survey has been done by Audi uh, in the UAE to explore the, the appetite and the, the concerns about EV uh, adoption in the UAE. And the survey is showing that uh, 39% of the uh, survey uh, showed that showed interest to buy electric cars. And uh, 20, 29% they believe that uh, EV offers better value in, in the long run. So it, it's not about the, the, the oil or it's not about that in the Middle East, especially the Gulf uh, region, they have easy access to the oil that uh, this would delay the, the adoption of uh, EV. Uh, the, the people, they, they are worried about and they're concerned about the environment. But the many challenges I believe that we are facing in, in the Middle East, the availability of the EVs and the uh, variety of the brands. So far, we don't have the brands that are available in the Europe or in the US or not all of them because in the Middle East, they have to comply with the specific requirements. So the OEMs, they have to comply with the requirements because the climate condition in the Middle East is quite different than, than Europe. Yes. Well, listen, in all of that, if you can do it, if this can be done in the Middle East, um, you know, oil-based economists, if they can make the switch to electric vehicles, you could argue everybody should, everybody can. Um, And and I think the forward-thinking aspect that you mentioned earlier on of these very wealthy economists understanding that this stuff doesn't last forever and getting to a point of of where are they going to be in the future what technologies in the future are they going to be able to find you know value from i think solar absolutely i think you know bringing in technologies and bringing people to live in the arena and, and 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 change and develop the economy in that way just makes complete sense this is great oh by the way Rami, let me just tell you what, what who we've been getting in our audience because it's always nice to give everyone a shout well as many people as possible a shout out um so we've got uh paolo from germany we've got naeem who's calling us from beirut lebanon we've got uh uh, Nalanla, who's from South Africa, Natalie from France, Steve from the USA, Zuned, um, uh, oh, not sure where Zuned's from, um, Poland is, uh, Christoph, uh, Farah from London, Puerto Rico, we've got, to uh, Jamie, uh, Kelly, uh, is here, I'm not quite sure where Kelly's from, um, and uh, yeah, look, lots of people from all over the world. So how cool is that? Um, and here we go. We've got a question from, uh, I'm going to jump into an audience question straight away. Because that's, like I said at the beginning, that's, that's what we do. Um, so uh, Nalangla says, hi, Rami. This is a question from South Africa. Is investment in EV development government driven or private? Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier, then she said, if private, how do you justify investment when profitability at low EV market, you know, is there. This is the chicken and egg thing, isn't it? It's a bit like if you're investing in charging infrastructure, but there aren't enough electric vehicles to use it all the time. How does this work? So I suppose I'm not trying to ask Nana's question for her, but um, 
is infrastructure something the government should do in, in combination with private enterprise or w what are you seeing what do you think I'll, I'll, I'll tell you from experience. So when we started the, the mobility business in the Middle East and considering the number of EV uh, and the utilization of the uh, charging stations, definitely the, uh, uh, in the short run, the business will, will not be uh, visible and uh, profitable as well. If we are talking about uh, providing EV or energy uh, revenue. So that's why uh, we in Catech, we, we try to offer different type of business models. So we start, uh, we start selling the chargers. And at the same time, we were working with customer to provide EV charging service for the end customer and invest in the infrastructure. And, uh, and we don't have an, I believe uh, we in the Middle East, we don't have a government fund available for companies or CPOs to in order to uh, uh, to fund uh, the infrastructure. So if you if you want to do the business, you have to do it from your own investment. And because there is no utilization, the number of EVs are not uh, that big. So it definitely will be. But we took a decision to enter the market early in order to penetrate the market because we believe in the future is going to be a profitable business and that you can make a business case out of it. So, uh, and in order to be or to maintain a sustainable business and a healthy, healthy high, we decide to diversify our offering. So one of the things that we, we were doing is providing uh, the chargers as a service. So uh, we, we used to finance the projects and the customer paying us a monthly subscription. So uh, we are not uh, taking all the risk. And for the customer, it's really uh, viable because uh, they don't want to take the hassle. They don't want to worry about the technology. They just want the service uh, to deliver the service to their customer or end users. And uh, for us, we want to uh, spread and to roll out our network in order in the future to reach to the point that we can uh, sell the energy and uh, uh, be one of the uh, like biggest uh, network operators in the region. So uh, there is, uh, from my experience, I saw different regions, different markets. In Europe, there is a public fund. Uh, the government, they subsidize the installations or the, uh, if you call like the network. Uh, in, in the Middle East, the government, either they do it by themselves or you need to uh, to work with the private sector in order to, to roll out the, the network. So it's the, the, the answer is the business is profitable if you know how to do it or if you know how to make it profitable and you should invest in the future. Yeah, well, well, you're right. And that last statement you make is, is great. And, and uh, I applaud you for making it. But of course, investors and people with startup companies, they've got to work hard on getting a return on that capital. So you, you, you've gone through a few things there. So I hope I don't repeat some of, some of what you've said, but looking for innovation in charging different business models, etc. Um, you know, l let's look at it like this. How can people in, in the retail sector or restaurants or, you know, shopping malls, how can they benefit from offering, um, you know, charging facilities to, to their customers? Um, and, and what sort of things should they be aware of? Cause this stuff's not cheap, is it? You know, if you're, you're putting a 50 kilowatt or certainly anything bigger, you know, 120, 150 kilowatt charges in these things cost a lot of money. 
how do you how does the money sort of move you, you mentioned some ideas there about subscription and, and other things but if, can you give us a flavor of, of how you s s literally see the market developing in the retail area yeah, the, definitely the retail area is one of the most important sector that uh, we've seen in the last three years uh, because uh, most of the hotels, most of the uh, shopping centers, they are considering to install and invest in EV uh, charging uh, infrastructure because they want to increase their customer loyalty, increase uh, the time that the, the customer would spend in their facility and definitely bringing new, more revenue to, to their business. And uh, they boost the customer uh, traffic by by having their business on the map so by installing a charging station uh, your location or your business will be on the map on the application that provide the location for the ev charges so be exposed and uh, you will be accessible by uh, a new type of customer that maybe they they never been a customer before and they can definitely increase or create a new revenue because some of them now they are charging for the EV service and this is something new to them. They never uh, create or generate revenue from this type of service. So now potentially, if not today, in the future, they're going to generate money by, by providing the EV, EV charging. Uh, so uh, the, the cash model that I uh, mentioned, uh, it worked well with the retail business and the hospitality business because this is the, their main objectives is to, as I mentioned, they want to have a loyal customer. They have, they want to increase their business visibility and they want to, uh, generate, uh, a new type of revenue. But at the same time, they don't want to go through the hassle. They don't have a dedicated team to manage or to maintain those uh, charging service. And at the same time, they want the service to be up and running more than 99.9%. So that's why, and they also, they don't want to invest in, in the CapEx. They don't want to put a lot of money. Uh, that's why we were uh, trying to find solutions for different uh, uh, customer. When we talk to the customer, we always try to understand what's their objectives and what uh, what the challenges that they are facing. Yeah, that, well, this is great. You know, the, the, the innovation isn't just about technology. The innovation, as you're describing, is, of course, in also the business model, um, how the money works, you know, the CapEx, yeah. OpEx, all of that. No, this is this is all great stuff. I'm going to jump into a few uh, audience questions. Um, I'm going to whiz through two or three of them all together. So Chris Yerg, Chris says, wireless charging. Do you see it happening, uh, Rami? Uh, sorry, uh, again, uh, what, wireless charging without a cable, you know, just just wireless stuff. Do you see that happening? Uh, I see that would be happening in the future, but not now. Uh, I think because uh, you need the, the OEM, they have to adopt this uh, kind of technology. And uh, as as far as I know, it's in the R&D stage. Some of the companies, they, they have uh, their products in the market, but I never seen this is in, uh, I, there is a requirement for this so far. People, they prefer to charge their car without any cables. It's more convenient, definitely. But I think the technology is not up to uh, the market requirements because uh, the charging speed, I believe it's uh, a bit low so far. And this is one of the challenges that we are 
in the EV or mobility you are trying to overcome, how fast that you can charge your car. Yeah, okay. Um, I can share with you, maybe not offline, maybe maybe not on, on this conversation, um, some examples of where the wireless charging is, is working quite successfully, but I'm, I'm not going to go... I'm not going to go into what what I know because I'm more interested in what what our, our viewers are asking. Um, so Whale Rashed says, "How do you see the demand on home charging units versus commercial charging in parking lots, restaurants, highway stations, etc.?" I mean, j- just on that note, on Whale's question, um, do most people live in apartments in in the UAE and the, the Middle East? Do, because I guess if they do, they haven't got they haven't got home charging, have they? How does that work? I'm interested in that. Everywhere and all the uh, survey, all the uh, stats showing that 80% of the charging happening at home or workplaces. And uh, in UAE, it's in UAE, definitely people, they are living in uh, in towers, living in buildings, and uh, they are facing challenge when it's come to installing the charger because the facility management and the owner association, they have... Uh, Still, they, they don't understand or they are not ready for this. So some of them, from experience, some of them, they, they don't want to let each and every uh, tenant to uh, install charger by themselves because they are concerned about the capacity, the energy capacity, about the, uh, the services that need to be done or ret- retrofitting that be, uh, need to be done. So that's why we, we had like different samples. One of the, the samples that we have uh, recently been through, uh, we are working with the community development company. They have around 83 buildings, towers, uh, some of them residential, some of them marketplaces, and they don't want their uh, EV uh, or uh, tenants and clients to install chargers by themselves. So what we offer them, we offer them to install chargers and to make it available for their tenants. And we do the management, we do the operation for the infrastructure and their customer, they can enjoy the service without any interruption. And we take care of the energy management. We take care of all the CapEx and OPEX associated with this infrastructure. This is one of the things. Some of the other examples that we've been through, we had to work with the facility management companies in order to put the standards for them uh, when it's come to the installing the uh, EV charging point for their customers or tenants. So because they need to understand more about the technology, about the requirements, uh, are we going to install a single fast chargers or three fast chargers or 50 kilowatt DC chargers? So different type of chargers need different type of infrastructure and uh, civil work uh, and electrical work required and associated. And definitely for the uh, facility management and uh, building management companies, they are very, very very sensitive about the security and the safety of the uh, people who's living in those buildings. Oh, yeah, sure. Wow. I'm really genuinely very impressed with with what you've just described. Is that what you call charging as a service? Uh, this one, uh, the uh, it's part of the uh, network, uh, the uh, EV network that we are trying to roll out in the UAE and other countries in the Middle East, but with different business models. So as I told you, our aim is to, to roll out and to operate our own network. But because we are dealing with different customers, different needs, different objectives, we are trying to find the best solution uh, that would help our customer to achieve their objective as well as achieving our our 
vision and our objective. So uh, we what we have our backend system that we can manage all the uh, charging points that we are installing. We can manage the payment. We can manage the energy, the load balancing as well. Uh, and the mobile application that's available for the EV drivers and end user. And uh, in, in some cases, when we go to the customer and do, sometimes they consider buying the charger, we manage to change the, their perspective and change uh, the way they are thinking about providing EV chargers to, to their customer by providing different uh, offering, different business model where, uh, where we can see uh, that they once, if you are willing to uh, satisfy their requirements, satisfy their objectives by providing hassle-free service, they would welcome the the opportunity. And for us, it's helping us to overcome the challenge or the fact that the this business is not profitable. This business, because of the low utilization, is not profitable. That's true. And the cost that or the investment required to be for the uh, you need to put in the capex and the opex. Definitely, it won't be visible and profitable if you are not innovative. Well, again, I'm I'm very impressed with your approach to this. I think that, you know, one-stop shop offer for people where, you know, for a lot of, whether it's an end user, driver of an EV or a, a facility, a block of flats, a restaurant, whatever, having somebody that can take responsibility for all of the aspects is a godsend because, because for some people, you know, I know in the past, manufacturers have just sold an EV to somebody and, you know, it's like, well, go and get a charger sorted out. Well, which charger do I use? What's the best company? You know, can I put it at my home? Does my home have enough, you know, power? How is it? You can't do that. You have to give people that support if they want it for everything. You know, it, it's... It's the way it works. This is a good question from you. These are all good questions, by the way, but I like this one in particular from Sujit, Sujit Kumar. Um, I would like to ask if EVbox can provide solution or you can provide solution for EV charges with high temperatures in the Middle East. This is a really good question because, you know, batteries, as we know, are impacted hugely by the cold or the heat. Um, and an additional part of Sujit's question is, also, there are lots of cars being purchased from China, um, and, and, and most people are looking for chargers compatible to that. Do you have any issue with where the car comes from, whether it's, you know, Korea, China, America, you know, are you compatible with everything that's being sold in the market? Well, uh, so uh, this is a good question. Uh, I'll tell you about our experience with EV box in the Middle East in regards to the temperature. And what we believe that most of the uh, charging stations or the uh, EVSE are not compatible with the uh, Middle East uh, climate uh, requirements. Uh, in Jordan specifically, because of two things, because of the climate condition and the utilization, uh, you won't believe that in Jordan, we used to do a 72 charging session per day for the public charging. 72 means non-stop. Non-stop, they use the EV driver, they use to hand, to hand the cable over to each other without even putting it back to the charger. So 72 and during the summer, the temperature used to uh, reach 100 degree, the operating temperature of the yeah 100 degree, which is any charging station would, I believe, uh, 
provide up to 60 or 70 degree. This is, uh, I think the standard is 60 or 55, 60 degree. So we had to find a local solution. We had to uh, do a kind of retrofitting in order to overcome the heat issue locally. And we work with EVbox uh, because this is the kind of partnership that EVbox or anyone are looking f- from their resellers and partners is to, to do. We had to work with the EVbox in order to provide solution and to avoid such issue in the coming uh, or the new uh, generation of their uh, products. So we had uh, a solution. It was, uh, we didn't change anything in the uh, charger itself, but it was like an engineering solution. Our engineer, he proposed to install extra fans and he linked it to a sensor. And this sensor has to be supplied by an external power supply. And whenever the heat reached to certain level, then the extra fan would work and keep the charger within the heat limit. And because, you know, when the charger is uh, reached to the, to, to the maximum heat level, then the charging speed would be slow. And then sometimes the, the charger has to stop in order to cool, to stay within or to bring the temperature down. Then will work again, which, uh, which in, in our case in Jordan, there was queue all the time. The waiting time, the average waiting time was around one and a half hour, uh, one and a half hour to reach the station. So imagine if after one and a half hour, if you reach the station and the station, uh, stopped to, to cool down, then, uh, a big frustration and the customer will, will not be happy. So we had to deal with this. And we had to be, uh, to, to react and not to, uh, we, we've put a, a big investment in this infrastructure. So we had to find a solution. We cannot, we cannot take the, the charger, take it off and, uh, send it back or, uh, and there is no other solution, by the way. The Middle East, the temperature, most of the products in the market support 55 degree and that's it. There is an issue, but there is a solution. Definitely. If you can, well, if you can find the solution, there is a solution. Well, that's wonderful. And of course, ironically, with, you know, the, the challenge of climate change and increased temperatures in many countries that haven't perhaps been as organized or, 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 or used to it as the Middle East, these are, these are challenges that have to be overcome. You know, we, we can't just sort of say, oh, it doesn't work for the moment because it's too hot. Um, so you're learning and developing something which I think is going to be significantly important uh, for some other markets where, yeah, it's not hot all year round, but it can, as we now know, sadly, get very hot for a number of times. In fact, I think one of our um, one of our listeners today was sent a note from, oh, yes, there you go, Enzo. Hi, everybody, from hot Italy. You know, we know that recently around the world we've had some extreme heat um, uh, and We've got to better deal with that in in every aspect, and certainly we've got to deal with it with EV charging. Um, okay, can, can I throw a couple of things at, at you in terms of what do you think are the most common misconceptions um, people have when investing in charging stations? C- could you give us a, two or three of those? Do you think, or maybe there are none? But what 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 do people get wrong? What what do they imagine is the case? Do they think? Well, I don't know. What do you think? As a CPO, or uh, there is misconceptions different uh, as a mobility service provider, or as a CPO, or as a landlord. So, uh, what I believe people they think that uh, 
when it's come to the uh, investing in EV business that you would make money or you would break even in in uh, in the short term. Actually, your investment it's in the capex. You are paying the most cost is in the infrastructure and the in the capex. So if you especially in the Middle East and considering the the low utilization, if they think that they can break even before like eight years, they want they will be uh, and most of them they think uh, uh, they can do this in less than eight years. So far, it's uh, seven to eight years break even. So uh, whenever you think to invest as a CPO in the infrastructure on this business, you have to to ha- you have to consider like eight years or seven to eight years to to break even. Now. If you as a uh, retail business, uh, as a uh, uh, hospitality, some of them, they think that what 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 kind of benefits that I'm going to get from installing a char- or investing in an EV charging uh, point, uh, which is, uh, I believe it's strong because if they don't invest now at this time, they will be uh, late because now get the benefit of being an early adapter of this technology. So uh, it depends on what what role you are playing and what kind of investment and what's the objective of the investment that you are doing. Definitely, there is no direct investment. And in the future, I believe if you start now, you will be able to have a, like a big data that you can capitalize on or you can even make profit out of it or making money out of it because this is something... This is all the, all the chargers now are smart chargers. Most of them are smart chargers. Most of them are connected and you can capture all the information related to the, uh, AV, uh, related to the, uh, uh, charging session related to the behavior of the driver. A lot of information that you can capture, which can uh, support your uh, strategic planning. Right. Well, well, I think, you know, as you say, data is like we know in many many uh, arenas incredibly important for planning incredibly important for strategy and those with the best data you know they definitely you know are going to perform best over the mid and long term it does seem quite a long time seven years before you get payback i, I have to say but but here's a great question from paolo i do like this one as well um so um Starting after other markets, you know, has some advantage. Um, and, and we know there are pioneer markets. I suppose you could call those places like, you know, Norway, um, the Netherlands to, to some, to some extent. Um, and those, those markets where you've got charging everywhere, as you know, that's what we have to do. Um, do you think it would be better, Paolo asked, to have fewer charging stations with higher utilization rates to be more efficient? In other words, I suppose what Paolo's saying is, how does this develop over time? At the moment, we think just make loads of charging stations and problem goes away. But but is that really what we need to do? Is it about location? Is it about, you know, retail? You mentioned that earlier, some other things like that. Is it about just being using that data you just mentioned to put the charges in the right place, but not put them everywhere? Yeah, definitely the place, the location is the most important factor. And I've seen a couple of uh, uh, solutions and platforms that they would help the CPOs and the uh, network operator to analyze and to identify the best location based on the number of uh, cars and the traffic 
in that area, specifically in that area, and the number of EVs as well. Uh, so the location is the most important because there is no point to invest and to uh, put a charger in the location is not convenient for the EV drivers. Uh, this is number one and the the location and the type of the charger. For example, if you're going to install chargers on the highway, definitely it has to be uh, high power chargers or fast or ultra fast chargers because uh, basically, uh, people or the EV driver, they, uh, when they are on the highway, they just need to top up, uh, their car with uh, some, uh, energy. But if they are going to a destination like, uh, shopping malls, uh, this AC charger, or maybe now a 50 kilowatt charger is becoming a destination chargers. So, uh, in this location, they usually spend and on average two to two and a half hours. So it would be okay to install a 22 kilo uh, watt charger. So the type of chargers, and uh, it's very important to be based on the uh, type of charging that you are going to provide to the end customer. Right, right. And and again, this pioneer market uh, thought, and I think it is a is, is an important question. You and I were up in Oslo at EVS 35, which is the big electric vehicle symposium, the big gathering of people to show products, to share experience. Um, I know when I was up there, I went to one of the filling stations. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the company now. But, but anyway, basically half of the filling station was for petrol and diesel, and the other half was for electric vehicle charging. So, so they're basically converting their existing uh, fuel stations to be half electric, ha half petrol. Um, and, and then, you know, find a way of using the different profit streams in the cafe that they have and the shop that they have. So you've got three, four, five, six, I don't know, seven different profit streams from the same facility where That's people right. are going to do these things. That's the stuff I think the pioneer markets you know, oh, Circle K, that's the name of the company. We should give them a shout out because I think that's that's good. And and you spent time in England, so you must have seen the GridServe facility. GridServe. That's, that's cool, isn't it? Can you tell people what GridServe is who are listening in, you know, either on the podcast later or now? Have you been to GridServe? Have you seen that operation? Uh, not to GridServe, but I've been to uh, Shell, Shell Green Hub, Charging Hub. It's basically uh, like a petrol station. But uh, for EV cars, only for EV cars with the uh, retail and services like Costa, uh, grocery. So this is the, the new and the future uh, petrol stations. So now in Europe, they start uh, building uh, full green hubs or EV charging hubs. And they are making money, as you said, from different or generating revenue from different revenue streams, including retail business. So they do the building. And uh, what I like in GridServe, the, the, the way they optimize the area. So uh, they put uh, the chargers uh, underneath the building. So if you can calculate the square meter, for example, so they... On top of the charging uh, station, Mazenet level, they put the retail business and they, they optimize the use of the land, which is quite smart, I believe. So you can charge the cars underneath the coffee shop. Uh, without taking space or allocating space in the open area. And this also would provide shade for the end user in the summer and the high, which is very smart. Uh, and definitely they are, they are making uh, money from different type of business, uh, renting the uh, retail space. 
Uh, also, they uh, provide uh, a venue for the companies to come and to rent and to uh, hold events related to uh, EV and e-mobility. Also, they they provide area to showcase a new electric. So they they I think they work with the car dealers where they show the uh, new cars or they display the cars. And one one of their locations, they do uh, leasing as well, uh, EV leasing. Yeah, I, 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 I think they do. L- listen, I've got a real dilemma now, Rami. I've got quite a few more questions myself and quite a few from the audience. So I, I'm going to have to ask the audience questions because they're the most, imp- you're, you're the most important person than the audience together. Um, so a quick question from Alan, Alan Motar. He says, do you see digital advertising on public fast or high speed charging station as a significant contributor to financing such investment in your region? You know, we are seeing some charges that do run advertising on it. Do you think there's money to be made in those? From the advertising, uh, yeah, definitely yes. This is one of the uh, revenue streams that would be considered. Uh, however, you need uh, uh, good coverage. The network, your network, has to be in order to make to make it uh, uh, profitable and visible for the advertiser and for the operator as well. So, if you've got like different location covering different uh, areas across the country, definitely this is would make uh, a good uh, revenue stream. Some of the chargers now, some some of the OEM, they 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 have this kind of uh, a charging station where, where, it, where it comes with the cont- media content. Uh, kind of uh, uh, display that you can uh, provide uh, advertising and media content. Yeah, well, look, the bottom line here, Ram, is we're all turning into America. That's that's the truth of it here. They have advertising everywhere. So I suppose this is part of what goes on there. Listen, it would be totally remiss of me not to ask this question because I think it's very significant. So Zunaid uh, Vauda says, will solar energy be linked power to EV charging hubs that we mentioned that company GridServe and I think Electrify America announced this last week or a couple of weeks ago connecting up huge solar fields to their charging stations to basically take the energy from the sun and within nine minutes because that's how long it takes to come from the sun to the earth put it into electric vehicles you mentioned earlier on right at the beginning um, in developments in the region like solar and so on and so forth do you see that happening a lot more to answer Zunaid's question? Sun yes, to wheel. Yes. Sun to definitely. And uh, there is one, one important information that I would share with like 48% of the cost of the direct cost to run uh, and uh, EV charging is for uh, electricity cost. So from whatever revenue are going to generate from charging service, uh, 48 to 50% would be the electricity cost. And definitely providing electricity from the solar would be much cheaper than this uh, because there is a lot of uh, now most of the uh, companies, they offer the uh, solar uh, service for uh, like uh, uh, they do the investment and you just pay for the for the service. So you didn't need to put uh, investment in the solar. So yes, in the in the UAE and the Middle East, uh, now they are considering and by the way, for, uh, in in UAE, there is uh, UAE government. They are aiming to uh, have forty four percent of the uh, energy generated from renewable renewable energies by twenty by twenty by twenty fifty. 
45% to be renewable. So uh, definitely, and because we have, we have sun, most of the time we have sun. In Jordan, there is a lot of uh, uh, solar uh, uh, farms and uh, people, they are off-grid, I think they call it off-grid. Off uh, so uh, a lot of projects are happening in the Middle East for the solar and we are getting inquiries from the customer and to source the EV chargers from the solar. And one of the, uh, we were working on a POC to transform the parking uh, shades in a public area to use a solar panel and to feed the charging stations uh, with the, uh, from the electricity coming from the solar. But definitely we need batteries. We need to consider a battery uh, solution in order to store the energy. Yes, yes. Well, I think you could do much better on that ambition for 2050. I think 70, 80, 90% could come from solar. That would be amazing. But listen, we're rapidly running out of time. Honestly, Rami, we could talk for another hour. I could listen to you for another hour. I'm sure we'd have, you know, lots more questions, but we are going to run out of time. Um, let me quickly ask you this question then. Um, do you have an example of a business case that you can, you can share with us now? Um, a business you, you've helped from start to finish um, and, and what was kind of like their biggest challenge and, and how did you overcome it? Could you give us a quick, you know, case study? Is that possible? Car dealer, one of the car dealers, they came to us. They, they want to uh, provide EV charging solution to their end customer, but they don't have team. They don't have the knowledge. So, uh, we help them to, or we design a, a, an offering special for car dealers. We call it customer to dealers uh, or dealer to customer. Sorry. So where we, we as a, as a service provider, we, we, we are providing the service to the end customer, which is like, not our customer, it's the dealer customer. So we had to work with the dealers in order to uh, come up with the agreement that need first to be uh, in a place between us and them without any, and we are dealing with the dealership, but the end user or the one who's benefiting from the service is someone third party. We don't know him yet, but we had to come up with a bit a complicated type of agreement in order to protect all the parties. Uh, so we help them to develop the legal framework for this relation. Uh, also, uh, they were facing a challenge. They were facing a challenge. Some of the customers, they want to accept to, uh, to accept uh, the authorized or the approved installer to install and they have, because some of them, they have contractors. So uh, we uh, come up also with a good offering for the end user to accept the service from the dealer to install the, the charging uh, service and to provide the chargers. And when it's later on, they came to us and they said, okay, we want to install uh, chargers at different places because they, their customer, they, they, the problem that when, whenever they try to convince their customer to buy an electric car, they would ask where we can charge or where we can charge our car if we go somewhere or travel to another city. So they decide to install chargers in different places and they came to us and uh, they said, okay, but we don't want to uh, put a lot of money at this stage. Uh, so we offered them the cashier service and we successfully uh, roll out around 25 charge, charge point location 
across the country. And uh, we helped them to overcome the challenges that they were facing with their customer about the the charging uh, availability or charging point availability. So this is one of the cases that uh, I believe uh, uh, we went through uh, our uh, with our customer to overcome a lot many challenges that uh, the dealership they were facing uh, when it's come to the EV charging or providing EV charging service to our to their customer. Hmm. Wow. Well, well, look, I've learned an awful lot in, in this. I'm so glad we've had this conversation. I knew very little, next to nothing, about what was really happening um, in the UAE, in the, in the Middle East. So you've certainly informed me. I know you've informed the audience because we've had lots of nice comments from, from people saying this has been very informative uh, and, and very useful. Um, and uh, the fact I said earlier, you, you've, you've been involved in finding solutions and, and running your business since 2005. So you, you're clearly somebody with great knowledge and experience, you know, understanding how to tackle some of the fundamental challenges, money, you know, the financial business model side of building out charging infrastructure, dealing with some of the big challenges like, you know, high ambient temperature in the environment i think that's really significant i think what you've been learning there i think a lot of people will be very interested to to learn more uh, and maybe understand that um and i think what also we've learned is this business of connecting with other companies finding a way in which you can give people a one-stop shop and um you know cooperating with, with businesses you know finding partners business partners um you know large and small companies uh, but I think you clearly display a lot of innovation, um, a lot of imagination, um, Rami. So I, I, I've, I've genuinely really enjoyed talking to you. It's great to meet you, as I say. Um, would you like to have a, you've got two minutes. Would you like to have the floor for the last two minutes and just say thank you, whatever you else you want to say and goodbye. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Roger. It's uh, always been a pleasure to having a chat with you. And uh, thanks for everyone for joining. And uh, um, my last word would, would be like, uh, I encourage everyone who's uh, thinking to get into this business, uh, the EV charging business and different business model is uh, to start now. It's, uh, it's the, the right time not to wait more because uh, it's going to be late. So there is a future and there is a, a promising future so if you are looking for to start your business in something niche something uh, that can uh, has a, a bright future this is the time and this is the business to start with well that's a wonderful positive upbeat and um of course well-informed uh, suggestion um, and uh, um, ambition and inspiration to give people so uh, rami thank you for your time today and I wish you well. I know you've had a bit of a sore throat, but I haven't noticed anything. You've done really well. I know I've coughed a few times, but uh, uh, that was great. So appreciate you joining us and you're not feeling 100%. I would never have known. So thank you for being so professional. And I look forward to meeting you again and, and maybe being over in your part of the world sometime and, and seeing some of what you've told us about for myself. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah, and, and, and if you've watched this and you want to share it with anyone who didn't get a chance to join up, the podcast is available. All of the ones we've had this year are there. So feel free to hook up and listen to that anytime that suits you. So for now, from Revolution Live, June edition, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>